Welcome to the Founder Church Podcast, helping you to forge a lifelong reliance on God. To find out more about the Founder or how you can get involved, visit thefoundrychurch.com. First, I want to apologize for showing a video with Christmas stuff in it. I know it's against the law to show anything with Christmas before Thanksgiving, and I, I agree with that. But I'm just using it as an illustration about giving. Right? And here's the thing. All those cute little kids in the video opening gifts and that they're excited, those cute little kids, those monsters, really, right? they don't deserve a single thing, right? right think about it. The, the babies in the video, they do nothing but cry and poop in their diapers. Right? They don't deserve gifts. Right? The toddlers, the little bit older of ones, they get into everything. They make messes, right? Include, including pooping in their own pants that you have to change, just like the diapers of the babies. Right? The older kids, now you're thinking, all right, they deserve something. No, they're, they're jerks, right? They, they're annoying. They, they ask nonstop questions. And they won't even help changing their younger siblings when they poop. Right? None of these kids deserve any gifts. Just an just a observation, right? And before you call me Scrooge, I'm just joking. Right? I want to ask you this question. I want you to think about it like this. Have you ever been gifted something that you felt like you didn't deserve? Right? I've experienced this in a big way a number of times. Now, one instance that really sticks out to me was when my mom and dad bought me Under Armour cleats my senior year of high school, before football season. Right? At, at the time, Under Armour had been out for a little while, but where I grew up, it was a relatively new thing, but it was also a very expensive thing. Right? I did not dream of having cool cleats like that, right? ones that were not molded from plastic and that you bought at a tractor supply store or at Walmart, but actual cleats, just like the, the ones the pros wore on Sunday. Right? I could not believe that I could have something so nice and so cool. Really, to be honest, I didn't believe that I was a good enough football player to have them. Right? Now look, right, you've probably been there as well. Right? At some point, you have probably been on the receiving end of a gift that you did not feel like you deserved. And chances are, you felt a little conflicted like I did. Right? I think we all struggle with receiving something because of grace. Receiving a, a gift that we do not deserve. Right? In these moments, often, our first instinct is to repay the gift. Right? I, I wanted to do all sorts of things around the house. Chores of every kind, everywhere I could. Right? After all, do we not grow up with the idea that good things in life are earned and not given? Right? As kids, we do our chores, you earn an allowance. Right? You, you make good grades, you get a, a prize at school. And now you work hard, you get the promotion. Right? In short, all good things come with a price. You have to earn that. Now, of course, hard work is not a bad concept. It is something that is good and great and pleases God in this world. And rewarding hard work is good too. But when this outlook becomes the only way we know how to live, when we see everything in life as something to be earned, that viewpoint leaves no room for grace. All right, so like we talked about last week, Christianity 
is all about grace. It is all about living in light of that truth, right? That through Jesus, God in the flesh, we have been given so much more than we deserve. Listen, there is nothing we can do to earn it. All we have to do is receive it. And here is what I think is especially cool about this undeserved and unearned grace. Right? This grace, it is something that only Christianity offers us. Right? It is what sets our faith apart from so many other religions and belief systems in this world. Right? It is what makes being a Christian so different. Right? Now, now maybe you're, you're sitting there at home and you're watching this and you're thinking, oh yeah, I've heard that before, right? Christians are supposed to be different, but I do not know what that really means. I feel you, right? You're thinking, when I look around at the people in my life, in my family, even in my church, I do not know what it is that makes them all that different from everybody else in this world, right? If that is you, like I said, I get why you feel that way. It cannot be that only Christians are disciplined enough to go to church every week and read the Bible. Right? So many other belief systems do similar things too. Right? In fact, a lot of them require a lot more discipline to practice than Christianity. And it cannot be that Christians pray. Right? Every religion practices prayer in some form or fashion, right? So, so is it that we try to follow the moral guidelines that God has given us for a better life? Right? We, we do our best to avoid drinking too much or having sex outside of marriage, cheating on tests, or, or lying to our friends. Right? We try to stick to the letter of, of a good, upstanding life. Right? We, just, we try to be good people. But listen, Foundry, right? if you think about it, don't most religions want that too? Right? Even people who don't believe in anything spiritual, for the most part, try to be good people. So my, my, my point is, is that there are many things Christianity has in common with other religions and belief systems. But the one thing it doesn't have in common with other religions is grace. Right? Grace is the difference. No other religion points to a God who cares so much about his people that he offers them undeserved, unearned, unqualified grace. Right? That is the essence of Christianity. And it is something that I do not want any of us to miss out on. Right? Because when we struggle to fully accept the grace God has given us, when we shy away from receiving it because we fear we did not earn or deserve it, we risk missing out on what it really means to be a follower of King Jesus, right? Someone forging our life on God, truly living our best life. So last week, we talked about the way that truth and, and grace work hand in hand. And because of that, we cannot have one without the other. Right? What we do, we, uh, when we do that, when we have one without the other, we're missing out on the fullness and the richness of a vibrant faith. Right? Jesus offered the world truth and grace together. But if you're like me, right, you probably understand a lot more about truth than you do grace. Of course, right? truth is amazing. It is so important to our faith. Right? It's foundational even. But by itself, 
it's just information. Right? Truth is just information. It's like knowing the sky is blue or that the, the sun will rise in the morning or that 2 plus 2 equals 5. No, wait, 4, right? 2 plus 2 equals 4. That's truth. Right? It is information that sits in our brain. But truth alone does not really do much for our heart and soul. It just, it just doesn't, right? Because that is where grace comes in. Right? Grace is a heart thing and an experience. It is a, a soul thing. Right? It is not something you can take hold of in your brain or fully comprehend to be true. It is something that you feel and you know it when you receive it. Right? Like a pair of really cool football cleats. You see, grace is not just something to believe in. It is something to experience. Listen, God does not want to just stay in our heads. He wants to move into our hearts. He wants to give us something that we all desperately need, the experience of grace and truth together. And today, to illustrate this idea, I want to take a look at an experience someone had with Jesus. During his ministry, Jesus, he spent a lot of time with people society generally looked down on. Man, we're talking, we're talking tax collectors, thieves, and even prostitutes. Right? While the, the rest of the world cast these people aside, Jesus, our king, never did. Instead, he jumped right into a relationship with them. He got to, to know them, showed them a better way to live, and offered what only he could give them, the experience of grace. So let's take a look, right? John chapter 8, verses 2 through 5 is where we're going to start. John chapter 8, verses 2 through 5 says this. Right? But early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Verse 4 says, Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? Now, in that moment, Jesus had a decision to make. How was he going to respond to this woman? To the, the things she has done? To the Pharisees and religious leaders demanding an answer? How is he going to respond? And in all honesty, most people probably expected him to respond with total and brutal honesty. After all, what goes around comes around, right? That that was what their religion said. If this woman really had done all the things that she was accused of, didn't she deserve the harsh truth? Didn't she deserve to be punished? Now, maybe by the the world's standards, but remember, Jesus, right, he came to bring a different standard, a balance of truth and grace hand in hand. So here is what happened next. Follow along, verses 6 through 11. All right, they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, All right. But let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. 
When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord Jesus, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. Foundry. All right, church. This is grace in action. Right? Jesus, our Lord, doing his thing. Right? Jesus knew that this woman deserved punishment. He knew she had done something wrong. Truth alone told him that. But then there's grace. And because of grace, Jesus could give this woman something no one else could give. Right? A life-changing and heart-changing, life-changing experience. And if I, if I put myself in this woman's shoes, I think I would find this gift of grace hard to believe and even harder to receive. Right? Truth by itself would tell me that I deserve punishment, but the experience of grace is what sets Jesus apart. Right? It is the experience he gave that woman that day. And, in, and it is the same experience that he offers each and every one of us today. Right? Grace is just not something to believe in. It is something to experience, right? And the experience of it is the fullness of our faith, right? When we truly experience grace, we experience freedom, release, and forgiveness. There are no hoops to jump through, achievements to earn, or things we must do to hold on to that grace. Instead, all we have to do is to receive it, right? That, that's the difference in our faith. And it's a difference that only Jesus can give. I don't want you to leave today to log off this video asking how. Listen, the, the best way we can begin to understand grace is to simply experience it. Right, think of it all like this. Gravity. Right, think of it like gravity. You don't see it. You don't touch it. Most of us don't even totally understand it. But we know it's there. Right? We know it is not simply because we believe it's true, but because we experience it every single day. Right? Grace is just like that. Right? It is meant to be experienced. And to help you start believing and experiencing the gift of grace in your life, here are three things you can do. First, be willing to accept that bad things are going to happen. Right? Just own that truth right now. And no, this one is obviously hard because bad things are hard, right? They'll never make sense. But, but what I want you to see is that when bad, hard, or difficult things come your way, they are not some form of what goes around comes around, right? Not some form of punishment. They are not some direct result of a karma system at work in the world. Sometimes they just happen. And that is the unexplainable truth that we have to embrace, and then on the other hand, all right, the second thing to do is this. Start seeing the good things, the good things in life, as undeserved blessings. Right? It is a hashtag attitude of gratitude type thing, right? And instead of seeing all the good things in your life as merits that you have earned, think back to Jesus. Right? His gifts of grace in our lives are blessings. Right? We don't deserve them and we could never earn them. But, but we can receive them for what they are, blessings from a God who loves us and wants us to freely give grace to us. 
Now third, get to know the God who gives grace. Right? Even if you have accepted him as your Lord and Savior, and if that's you, but you're thinking, man, I still need to see God's grace at work in my life even more. Right? We, we have to get to know the one who gives it. Right? We have to dig deeper into our relationship with him. If we want to know what sets Christianity apart, then we have to get to know the one who's behind it. Right? In order to experience his grace, we have to experience God. Right? To know God. So be willing to spend time with, get to know, and talk to the God who loves and gives so graciously. Ask him to change not only the way uh, you see him, but the way uh, you see his grace at work in your life. Now, all right, listen, if, if you've never made a decision to know God, right, to, to hear his story, to accept him as your Lord and Savior, right, to believe his story, to repent and to confess him as your Lord, to, to receive that, to, to meet him in baptism, do it. So simply do it. We celebrated four last week, and it's still available today. I explain it like this. When someone asks me about this, this step of baptism, I tell them it's like, it's like if I told you to show up here tomorrow morning at 6 o'clock. Right? Just show up at 6 o'clock, and if you can't get here, I'm going to send a car for you. Right? And I'm going to tell you, you can bring anybody you want all your friends, all your family, random strangers on the street, show up here at 6 o'clock, and everybody who shows up here at 6 o'clock, I'm going to give keys to a brand new Lamborghini. Right? It's their car. They don't have to pay taxes on it. They never have to fill the gas tank even. It's always going to be full. Oil changes are included. New tires are included. It's a Lamborghini. You're going to get it. Anybody you bring with you, they're going to get it. If you can't get here for some reason, I'll send a private jet for you to get it. Right? Be here at 6 o'clock. Right? That's it. This is, you don't deserve it. Right? You can't say, I'm going to bring some cash, Andrew. This is a really cool gift. Let me give you some money for it. Or here, this is a small token of my appreciation, some cookies for the car. Nothing. No. Right? It's yours. Right? So if you have not made Jesus your Lord, if you're not forging your life on him, and you are ready to say, Lord, I accept what you have done for me. Forgive me for living my way and doing life my way. I want to know uh, life your way and live your way, right? This is the time to do it, right? To say, Lord, I'm going to forge my life on you all of my days here on earth and forever in eternity with you. You have that chance. Thanks for listening to the Founder Church Podcast. We'd love to stay in touch. Visit us online at thefoundrychurch.com or connect with us on Facebook or Instagram at the Foundry Burke.